Now for a show by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but who both found a calling running solo businesses. This is the Unfederated Podcast. Hey, Sarah. Hey, bro. How have you been? Man, I've been doing good. Oh, wow. That was more um, passionate sounding than I was expecting <laughs> from you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm on an emotional high because um, I got uh, swept up in the 25th anniversary of the movie Major League, which, uh, which was... <laughs> Uh, celebrated uh, a couple days ago, and so the uh, the the movie was actually super discounted on iTunes, and I bought it, and I've been watching it about twenty minutes at a time because that's about as much time as I have to watch TV. And just finished it tonight. And spoiler alert: the Indians won. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm riding high on life You're over feeling here, feeling like uh, the winning underdog in life. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, that's good. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> It was hard earned with the 20 minutes at a time. Um, I started taking piano lessons the other week. Are you serious? Yeah. Did you ever finish your Spanish lessons? No. <laughs> oh, nice. Mm, yeah. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of commitment, it turns out, to learn a second language. <laughs> Working your way slowly through a 1992 seventh grade textbook. <laughs> it's quite difficult. So I think immersion is probably my best move for uh, any attempt at learning an actual second language. Um, okay. It's, it's a little hard to, the homework is what got me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, as, as with all school. Yeah. You've met me. <laughs> I'm just like, give me the test and then I'll forget it. <laughs> um, which brings a really good point up. Uh, I know you follow the Kardashians really closely. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So um, if by follow the Kardashians, you mean Kim is always the person Instagram thinks I need to follow. (laughs) Really? She's a perpetual state of like, you probably want to follow her. And I'm like, do you know nothing about me at all? That hurts, Instagram. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, for, for basis comparison, it doesn't suggest her for me so um (laughs) it's just you it's literally just you um yeah so she uh i guess said today that she's gonna take the bar exam and i was wondering where we were going with that yeah test it was a natural segue (laughs) that full level of glamour may be coming to the profession of law (laughs) what could what could possibly be gained by her taking the bar exam unclear um so i guess in california you can uh skip law school if you do numerous years of an apprenticeship instead which like Probably makes more sense because school is dumb and doesn't teach you anything <laughs> like my uh, Spanish classes. <laughs> Sometimes you learn by doing the thing. In this case, it's really hard for me to picture her as a very good apprentice. I mean, that is what's really getting me. Everybody's like, she's taking the bar exam. I'm like, she'll be able to, I mean, some, she'll be able to pay somebody who can like shove that information into her head effectively, but so so this apprentice has already taken place apparently she started last summer apprenticing for some san francisco law firm that's according to the like a brief internet thing i clicked on for a second okay 
Her her dad's an attorney, right? Yeah, he passed or, away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I only like know a, yeah. an OJ attorney or something. Well, yeah. I watched that, like, I don't know, that thing where um, Ross from Friends played the dad for the oh, people gosh. be OJ. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't even finish it, but yeah. So I know basically everything about her father <laughs> by <Yeah>. Ross. <laughs> yeah. um, so he was an attorney in that, but he wasn't an, like he was a friend of OJ's who happened to be an attorney and who they heavily insinuated may have come into contact with some um, evidence of a damning nature. And so they hired him as counsel for the privilege component. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds more like it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that all makes <laughs> yeah. a little more sense. Yeah. I think. So I guess maybe that's part of it. She could then exert a lot of privilege over her conversations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems like it would Perfect. be more, more of a boon to her than, I mean, can you imagine her billable hour? I'm just sitting here thinking about, yeah, her billable hour. <laughs> and she, she gets like uh, a quarter of a million dollars per Instagram. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm thinking about all these, uh, you know, we've found out that all these rich kids are just paying their yep. way into Ivy League schools. And uh-huh. so it's hard not to it think is. that, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I follow Aaron Foster, this like socialite person. Do you know her? She's. Uh, something something marketing for Bumble, the online dating. Um, but she posted a text message she got from her dad that said, thank God you didn't want to go to college. I'd be in jail right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I appreciate it. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... All this to say, uh, self-promotion, There, n- nobody has ever been better at self-promotion than Kim Kardashian. I'm killing the segues here. <laughs> Just slaying them right and left, um, which you have to, you know, you have to admire her for because she is like, if you, if somebody asked me for one living person who would demonstrate capitalism, I mean, it'd be Donald Trump, but the second would be Kim Kardashian. I mean, she's really, she's a capitalist through and through. Um, so, you know, that's, that's great. Um, and she self promotes really hard and effectively. And I have been in a situation recently, we started the, the new firm, which is, you know, the same attorneys, largely from the last firm, uh, January 1. Um, plus, we added one, Tom. He's great. And same office, same phone numbers. But essentially, new, <laughs> like, importantly, um, new website. And um, getting our SEO up so that our website actually returns or as a search result when you search our names has been the name of the game for the last couple months because um, we had our emails forwarded from our old email addresses until April 1. So it was kind of okay, not a big deal. But as of April 1, it still wasn't on the first page of Google results. And we're like, oh, no, (laughs) people won't be able to find us, Um, which is, I mean, obviously they could find us on LinkedIn or whatever else. But you you kind of want that... um, legitimacy of having an, a proper uh, website come up. And so with that and kind of the brand recognition and goodwill associated with a firm name, I've been doing a lot more self-promotion and promotion of my partners than I'm used to or comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel? Weird. Like I'm, 
Um, I this is interesting to me. Uh, I anecdotally found out back when I was purely solo and had a blog because I didn't have clients yet and <laughs> had time to blog. Um, that if I put uh, an open source photo of a hot girl, I got the like blog got read and shared a lot more. So if you see like, <laughs> and I don't mind doing that, um, it just looks like girl power. But if you see any of the blogs, I mean, 100% of the time, it will be an attractive woman's picture on it. <laughs> um, so, you know, and just pictures in general are, are useful. So um, I, I feel kind of shady even doing that. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's not on me. That's just kind of playing the system. Um, but then also doing things like you write a blog post and you, you post it on Facebook and it's Instagram and um, LinkedIn and, you know, try to get people to share it because it, the goal, of course, is not the blog post itself. It's to get people to click and get to the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, it makes me really uncomfortable, like deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, that's something that um, I feel super OK about doing at a certain level. Like, uh, like I blog, I share stuff on social. Like I do that pretty, pretty regularly. And I've, I've actually kind of come up with a system to kind of optimize that, which may be, um, helpful in this discussion. But one of the things I don't do very well, like I'm good at sharing my thoughts on things, but I do not share much about myself and or any of my clients, which I see, um, other folks that are in my space that I admire that find like really, eloquent ways to acknowledge that someone's a client and, and like, it doesn't seem, you know, skeezy, right? Like, um, and I just have never even gone down that path at all. And, you know, in, uh, advertising land, that's always kind of, there's kind of a, you know, the onion would do a story about how you go to a agency website and there's logos for their clients. And it's like someone they did like a $12 project with 15 years ago, but like, it's a big name. So it's like a logo on their site. You know, you always have to like totally, um, disregard uh, question. Yeah. 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 Uh, take that with a grain of salt. And, and so that has always, that whole thing has always just felt awkward to me. Yeah. Uh, so I just, instead of, trying to figure out a way to do it well. I've just chosen to stick my head in the sand. I have, I mean, I have also drawn a little bit of a line at sharing who my clients are, which, um, because of the lawyer thing, it just, <clears throat> I mean, A, I can't, but unless I get permission and most people probably wouldn't care or would be cool with it. But, um, especially the bigger name ones, I feel so uncomfortable asking. I just don't bother. Yeah. Yeah, you'd need permission, right? Mm -hmm. Like almost, uh, like without a doubt. Um, I mean, you should always uh, get it, probably. Um, that's best practices. But with a lawyer, that could that could be. Um, it's a it's requisite for lawyers. So. Yeah, uh, I've got something in my uh, agreement that my awesome attorney put together for me that says I can. And for most of my clients, you know, that's in place, and it's something I could do. I, I've always wondered. Um, you know, uh, the type of people I would want to share, like weighing it between the, like the reality of my client base versus maybe the aspirational side of my client base, you know, like I would, you know, who I'm, who I'm aspiring to work with, uh, you know, there's a threat that if I put a certain, you know, group of, if I tie myself together with a certain group of clients that it could, 
you know, represent me in a certain way that um, either lends itself to more of those clients, you know, more clients of that type um, or, you know, I, I don't know. There's kind of a almost a liability there. I as think far you're, as, you're onto something there. You kind of want your logo to be like, you're like your logo here, <laughs> you know, like, whatever you are, that's what we do. <laughs> um, cause the risk of alienating is hard. We, you and I were talking on the phone, um, earlier this week about, you know, having a, uh, I have a client who has, uh, bigger potential clients who seem to want a bigger company instead of a hanging out a shingle thing. And you very, very adroitly pointed out that, um, yeah, that they might want that, but by making yourself into a big agency or firm, you might attract that client or ones like it, but you're alienating others as well. So yeah, six, one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. And in a freelancer world, there's a bit of an opportunity to be flexible there, you know, like I I, I don't want to necessarily give up, but I also, you know, have no aspirations to try to be all things to all people. Um, and maybe, maybe someday I'll have, I mean, I probably have like three client logos that I would be really happy putting there that would be represent uh, representative of, of who I aspire to work with, but that's not, not enough to, to real feel really good about it you know yeah i yeah i know what you mean you need like 10 um before you even put one up <laughs> yeah and there's like the ones i would be most excited to put up have been ones that have been i, I don't have permission to or, or mm-hmm. like you know that are of a certain brand of a certain size that like trying to acquire permission was either shot down or the nature of the work we did it just doesn't make sense and so that kind of, you know, that kind of sinks too, because those are the ones I would be most proud of. Um, so it's always kind of a double-edged sword. I don't know, just as far as time, you know, most of the work I do is just takes place in this temporary space. You know what I mean? Like it's in a search result and then someone clicks and then it's gone. So it's not like I have a portfolio to show, you know, much like you, like the, you can't show all the legal work you've done for other clients as like an example of your capabilities. Um, and similarly with me, other than just like, you know, um, for some reason in my industry, everyone wants to do case studies, like put, put case studies on their website. I have never, nor do I know anyone who's ever read a case like the, like it'd be so boring. Like if it's your business, fine. But if it's anybody else's business, it seems like it would just be a complete snooze. Um, I think, I I mean, I tried to convince when we redid our website, I tried to convince the other attorneys. Um, that instead of saying I'm a lawyer who practices employer cited employment law, we just have a couple bullet points saying like a thing we did once, you know, like assisted in, um, sexual harassment investigations and resolutions, uh, for a company this size doing this type of thing. Um, and just kind of name it because I think it's easier for regular people to comprehend that way. Um, but Everyone was so nervous about the confidentiality component to it, which is fair. If you give it enough color to to be more interesting, then um, it's probably so much that it's uh, identifiable. So that kind of holds us back a little, I think. But- yeah, uh, that's tough. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, so the, the things that keep me from that, I mean, that we're acknowledging here is just that um, – 
the insider baseball nature that I think both most industries are are guilty of that like you present the work in the way that you think about it, not the way that your client thinks about it, and then you lose something there. So um, I think it takes a lot of time and attention if you wanted to to present yourself in some sort of permanent online space to make sure you're doing that in a way that clients relate with. Yeah, that's um, I think, you know, now that we're talking about it. So there's been a number of things that I've done in the last couple of weeks because we just passed the deadline where our emails aren't forwarding. And so it got a little bit more of a, an urgent feel to it. Um, so submitting each other for awards, which is much easier to do for your partner than it is to do for yourself. So I think having somebody who, um, needs a little promotion where you can help each other out is wise, um, and recommended because it gives more credibility to, to your nominations and stuff. And, And there's all kinds of awards and, um, silly things in the legal space that they capitalize on lawyer egos with. Um, but for, for some reason the other day, I, um, you know, I got super lawyers rising star again, which is a, it's an award (laughs) and I've gotten it for three or four years in a row. And so as my partner, who's a woman and we had a picture taken of the two of us when we got our headshots done in December. And just because I thought we'd want to promote that, you know, we have a majority women run firm, which is rare. And so we posted that up on Facebook and more than anything else I've ever posted, I got so much traction, like, um, so much traction, (laughs) like our cousin, your, your, my cousin, Jessica shared it. (laughs) Like It was like all over the place. Um, there were like second grade teachers commenting on it for both of us. And we're like, why? I don't know what face Facebook algorithm, like it got notched up into, but it went crazy. <laughs> and so, um, two or three people have stopped me on the streets in Denver, you know, people I knew, you know, probably well enough to nod and say hi to and been like, Hey, congrats on the, uh, award, <laughs> you know, like they don't remember what it is, which doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> um, but that worked really well. And I think it worked because, it was a good picture of two women, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and it just, it, it caught on. So sometimes you just have to, I think, throw a lot against the wall and hope that something sticks. Um, but also I think it, like, we were in it, you know, a picture of us. And I think people identify with that part a lot more strongly than they do with a stock image of like a girl in a blazer holding a coffee uh, cup that I'm always putting up there. <laughs> So um, it occurred to me that more pictures of the actual people doing your legal work would probably help um, generate more authentic engagement on the internet for us. What do you think about that? Like, do you think that's true? Because I I also like, I, I run our Instagram account. Instagram for lawyers is like an insane platform. It makes no sense (laughs) to have as a lawyer. But um, at the same time, there are no lawyers on it. You know, there's no law firms on Instagram because you can't put a bunch of words in it. So um, there's potential there. Um, So I started, I think I'm going to start this like hashtag um, today's office sponsored by and, you know, we can all put like whatever hotel we're staying at or, you know, whatever coffee shop we're working from or (laughs) whatever thing. Um, and, and tag other businesses to kind of same as with the partner thing. We're promoting ourselves by promoting other people. 
Yeah, that's super big in in my space um, because uh, it, it, it's kind of incestual as far as everyone just patting each other's back um, as a way of and and honestly, I mean, even in social media, you get this thing where you say something great about a particular brand and that particular brand retweets you or, or shares your post. And it's like kind of a great way to get your face in front of a whole bunch of folks. Um, I was commenting on some, uh, a bit of software that I've recently learned about that has been super great. Like it's, it's been one of those things that I haven't, uh, I haven't found anything this cool in a while, you know? Um, it's like in the early days of the internet, like you used to find stuff like this all the time. And now, like as it's re- reached maturity, not so much. Um, I love how called, old you sound. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I like, but it, it wasn't, it was like maybe eight years ago. It was like every day there was something like this. And you're just like, oh my gosh, the internet is such a cool place. And then now it's just like hate speech and stuff. Um yeah, yeah. It's so it's a Chrome extension called Workona, um, and essentially it's like a tab manager. So if you have like bukus of tabs open at any given time, uh, it kind of helps you wrangle those a bit. And it does that by creating workspaces. So for me, um, I have a workspace for each of my clients, and then I can click on a workspace, and it'll open all the tabs associated with that workspace. So you know, all the accounts that I would be managing for them, it just opens all those tabs up for me. And then if I like am done working on them, I can click a different workspace, it closes all of those, opens the other ones, and I'm not having to like leave them all open or go through and like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I'd go into AdWords and I'd change from one AdWords account to another AdWords account. And then I have to go in analytics and change from one analytics, you know? And so instead of having to do that, um, I just get to save all my tabs in these groups. And so it allows me to do that without having a million tabs open and a million windows open. Um, so it's just been really like, it's probably a hard thing to conceptualize, um, just hearing about it. But, as I've kind of gotten a feel for it, I'm like, whoa, this is super great. Cause like I have a, I have a workspace for my accounting. And so I click it and it's like, Oh, accounting software, the spreadsheet that I keep up to date. This other thing is like all the things I need to do accounting. And, uh, for me, it's helped me kind of, car- uh, uh, compartmentalize like, Hey, I'm working on this now, you know, like everything else is gone. This is what's on my desk, you know? Um, so anyways, uh, super great. I'll include a link to it in the sh- show notes if anyone cares. Um, but I, I posted about it cause you know, just reminded me of the old days of the internet, you know? And, uh, so I was pretty excited about it. And, uh, then they shared it where Kona did. And then today, I guess the venture capital firm, I, I guess that backs them <laughs> like shared it and it, like, and I got like 20,000 followers worth of exposure out of this, you know, out of saying something that was accurate and I wasn't saying it for that reason, but, um, but there's value in that, you know, versus just like complaining about everything all the time. (laughs) As it turns out. What, um, all right, old man, uh, of the internet, the old man river of the internet. What, what was your first, uh, AOL email account? Um, that Sam set up for us. Remember mine was goofy. Oh, eight. Yes. Uh, Bo 45. Okay. I was going to say it's Bo something. Yeah. Why 45? Uh, Michael Jordan's oh, okay. uh, basketball number at the time. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. Yep. All right. All right. That's that was a sh- crazy. That was short lived. Yeah. That was a four digit <laughs> like, um, email address. 
That's, yeah, that's crazy. We had, we had to spell Bo with an E. Oh. Bo is a childhood nickname, oh, yeah. um, and so we couldn't just do the B O. Which, but anyways, yeah, yeah it was pretty. It's pretty. I had to I had to change it when I got to college um, to make it a little more, you know, mature. Because sure. you know, yeah, I don't know what happened nickname. to Goofy. Maybe Sam's still paying for AOL and it's still in there. Just <laughs> he's just getting those discs, getting those yeah. free hours. <laughs> oh, I forgot it was by the hour. Those such the golden age of the internet. Um, <laughs> another huge rabbit trail. But I remember as a kid, like setting stuff up on Napster to download. Uh, like mostly Beavis and Butthead episodes because we weren't allowed to watch MTV. Yeah, because we weren't allowed and, to say butt. <laughs> yeah, it was the whole lot of things that, you know, very scandalous. Um, but like video on Napster would take days. <laughs> and and so like I would set it before I went to bed and then like every morning I'd wake up and like run to the computer to see what actually made it through yeah. and what didn't, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then if, if there was like someone picked up the phone and we got kicked <laughs> off AOL and then it was all done. Such a disappointment. Oh, man. What the golden age. Yeah, that that is very different. But the workspace solution does make a lot of sense. Um, and would be good at compartmentalizing because I'm bad about running. Yeah. I feel like I'm um, rolling like 10 different balls forward, like one push at a time. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, nothing got past the finish line. What did I do all day? And and for me, like in you too, to keeping track of time, like I find myself multitasking and doing a whole bunch of things at the same time. And then I'm not accounting for those hours. You know, and so like for my own sanity, one and two, for the purpose of of keeping track of things a little better, it's nice for me to just kind of like tunnel vision myself a bit and just say, okay, I'm working on this now, like set timer, you know, whatever. And then I know when I change workspace, then I have to change timers. So it's a good solution. So here's the thing I did that's embarrassing. Um, that was self promoting. So, um, I had a slow day relating to all of this like administrative nonsense and just um, didn't have a ton of work I had to do that day um, yesterday. And I got in the elevator on the way down and a fellow who uh, has an office near mine in the same floor, he got in the elevator with me and he was like, hey, how's the new firm going? And I was like, it's great. We're swamped. <laughs> And I like immediately recoiled on the inside, like, ooh, <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, because it just felt so salesy to, because I didn't feel swamped. Um, you know, it is going great. I'm really happy with it. But at the time, I mean, I just kind of screwed off all day. So <laughs> why, what am I trying to, you know, it felt too self promoting um, and I guess maybe the genuineness is the problem there. Like there's a level of authenticness that is appropriate for your self-promotion to not be gross. And, um, but you shouldn't be like, it's slow and I'm very worried it's not working out, you know, like, like if that's the case, probably just sit on that. But because if you tell that to if a, you ever need anything, I'm here to help. Yeah, like, that's real thirsty. So I think that there's a line and I just kind of like overshot on the, the um, positivity side in a way that grossed myself out. I mean, he doesn't know and he was fine with it, but. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, you you kind of went with the entertainment 720. Tell everyone that your book's all yeah. for the first. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little yeah. too far. Couldn't even do any more work if I wanted to. <laughs> it was like five o'clock on the dot and I was leaving to bicycle home. Like <laughs> clearly not the case. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you ever, have you had to do anything that was a little uh, salesy that you were grossed out by? Um, I got, I got asked to go speak at this, um, chamber event, which is not something I, uh, you know, particularly you won't, you won't catch me at many chamber events. Not without your boom box with your inspirational Rocky (laughs) soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) And they had like a panel talking about social media and, uh, it was super early in the morning and I went and spoke and I remember there was a competitor on the panel who like at some point in time pretty much made fun of me in front of the whole room of no. people like, on the panel in a way that wasn't super cool, you know? Like what, how? Um, how did they say? I mentioned something about, and again, this was years ago and social media was still kind of like novel. I mean, imagine having a panel now about social media. Uh, old um, man river. <laughs> yes. But, but, um, we were talking about how it humanizes brands and brings you closer to brands. And, uh, I just recently had an experience where I'd said something, um, complimenting, uh, old spice on, on their rebrand. Cause like, you know, they're like our grandfather's cologne, but then all of a sudden they're like, they've got the guy riding the unicorn doing ridiculous stuff. And I just like most of the brands that I work with that would be on the, you know, the first stage of that, um, do not have what it takes to go through that kind of transformation, you know? And so I was talking about that and I was talking about an interaction. I had, I'd said something nice about them. They'd responded, you know, like we'd had this interaction on social and I just like, that's a huge brand. It was cool that, you know, especially back then someone is monitoring it and like facilitating that discussion from their end. And, um, yeah, he made some, like the other guy on the panel made some sort of snide remark about like, um, you know, fortune 500 brands and like how that wasn't relevant to people in the room and like something. And I was just like, yeah, but you know, we're, we're all talking about things that we can emulate. Right. You know? yeah. like, this, this is all a little bit aspirational anyway. Your talk would I, have been so much better if it was about tiny little companies. No one had ever heard about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our, our family's construction company has a Twitter account. Um, <laughs> No, but it was one of those things that it was very uncharacteristic of me to go do this, like, a, you know, this kind of panel with, you know, that's uh, not my scene. Um, and then my fondest memory of that was was this awkward interaction I had in front of the whole room with, with this guy. And, and so I don't know, you know, it's just like when I, I find times to your point about being authentic when I when I step out of my comfort zone. Um, occasionally I end up recoiling because, <laughs> because the net result of that is just like, uh, like, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, this isn't me. This isn't something I want to do. Yeah. That's, that's a situation I can identify with. There's a lot of panels, um, in my world and, and I just haven't found them to be very helpful. I think they probably would be maybe, but I've, I have had most of my um, good connections come from just talking to people at panels, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. just like attending things and talking to people and being considerate 
um, that seems to be more of my sweet spot. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's always a balance. Like what, what do you just like lean into what you're good at, but you also need to expand what you're good at. Um, I had a traumatic public speaking <laughs> event, um, in my past. So I don't love public speaking, uh, but I've been thinking about getting involved in a Toastmasters to get a little bit better. Cause I don't like, um, Toastmasters are like those clubs where you practice public speaking or community clubs or whatever for free. Um, but I don't love having anything in my repertoire that, um, could come up that would make me very nervous. <laughs> so, um, it'd be cool to take that off the list. Uh, I, I actually went through a season probably about a year ago that I, well, I, I tell you what I had, we were traveling and a friend of mine was like, Hey, uh, a friend of mine puts on this conference, this like marketing conference, um, in Georgia and like, uh, somebody canceled last minute. Like if you would be a- able and willing, like, like, I think he'd love to have you come and, and do like a, you know, one of the breakout sessions or whatever. And like, we were at the beach on vacation and I was like, yeah, I mean, this would be cool, but I'm not, you know, I'm not driving home for it, you know? Um, and that got me that instance was like, well, maybe next year I'll, I'll reach out to the guy anyways and try to get, you know, get on the list for next year. Like I've been thinking about topics that I could, you know, start speaking at stuff about, um, cause I, I certainly have strong opinions about things. So, you know, share them. And then, uh, I actually saw a really helpful thread on Twitter where some guys who uh, I admire quite a bit, um, some authors were talking about how that's such a hard gig, like that, that the going to speak at conferences is like, there's, uh, there's so much tension, so much pressure, so much prep that goes into it. And what you get out of it is, is pretty insignificant. Um, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, this is a great way to get in front of some bigger clients, you know, like, um, and they were just saying, yeah, that's like people hear you, then they go home. Like kind of, I think we joked about the church camp phenomenon, um, uh, and a couple episodes ago, but you know, everyone's all excited while you're there and then you get home and, or you get back to your desk, you know, back to the office and you have to catch up on all the work you've missed and all the stuff that you, um, all those things get left, you know, at the conference, right? Like n- not literally, but, um, uh, like they're just kind of forgotten and, um, never dealt with. And so they're talking about how it's like maybe great if you're like an author where like the takeaway is, you, you know, you get branding from it, maybe you sell a couple books. Um, but if you want to get clients from that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard and you have to do a ton of it and it all involves travel and it's, you know, all a lot of prep and all that kind of stuff. And so anyways, it was a really helpful thread cause it kind of talked me out of it cause it was, you know, in my mind I was like, Oh, that's something I could do. Um, but you know, so check that off the list. Right. And then, uh, you know, panels at the chamber, probably not doing that anymore. <laughs> like, um, and so like the list of things that I would, that I feel like, I'm uniquely positioned to do well outside of playing on Twitter, (laughs) you know, um, is not super, you know, super long, like, you know, even getting like getting awards like that kind of, you mentioned that earlier, that sounds cool, but I don't have anyone to recommend me for those things. I'll recommend you. (laughs) (laughs) This is my big brother. He is wonderful (laughs) at what he does. Uh, (laughs) It'll be very inspirational. Yeah. And I know, you know, even that's helpful in your space. I don't know if it'd be helpful in my space or not, but, um, so yeah, I don't know the, the list of that is really like, 
um, you know, something that doesn't cost a lot of money that there's something that isn't a huge drain on my time otherwise. So, so that I can, I'm not losing productivity out of it, you know, um, billable work from it. Um, all those kind of things. I think, I think it's a significant challenge for freelancers to kind of find a spot there. What do you, um, I agree. I think that's a really good point. Uh, your, your point about public speaking is persuasive to me because I don't want to do it. <laughs> and because yeah, it's, yeah, me it's too. persuasive in general. I was, I was like, whew, thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> what a wonderful. Now tell me how bad exercises for you. Um, so what is, like, have you ever reached out to someone that you saw giving a presentation? Um, I've reached out to, let's see, that's a good question. Not presentation. I've reached out to people that I know that work at certain brands that, you know, like based on their Twitter bio that they work somewhere. Um, and I've reached out to like podcast hosts, uh, people in that space, but, um, no, not, not, um, you know, and, and a lot of times I'm trying to think of the conference I've attended. Like I hear things, I, I get takeaways from them, but often it, you know, it's often coming from someone that's like maybe a good tip from someone that like, unless they're the keynote speaker, I don't really know who they are. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're kind of like, they're someone that runs an agency in Omaha, Nebraska or something. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But like, you know, um, where do I fit into to this? Right. Yeah. Um, well, and there's yeah. this, like, I was realizing as you were talking about that, um, you know, explanation of how it's not that productive that I had never reached out to anybody. Um, and I, I think that's because there's this kind of divide between audience members and presenters. <laughs> that, um, it's a little intimidating and it's like, well, they've got other things going on. I shouldn't reach out to them. Whereas maybe when I've been at presentations and I'm talking to other people, those people are so likely to reach out and be like, Hey, you mentioned you do this. Um, because we're all on the same plane. So maybe there's something to that after all. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm analyzing myself, there's a bit of like a, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, like a, a pop star is a bad analogy, but like maybe like a, a, a clergy person, you know, like I, I view that and be like, Oh, that would be a good person to talk to you about this thing. But like, I'm sure they have bigger fish to fry. Like I'm sure everyone, their time is really at high demand. And like, you know, you kind of in your mind come up with these reasons why like that, you know, um, you don't need to have that conversation. And, uh, maybe that's cause I'm an introvert or maybe that's cause I'm a sane person and it's these nut jobs that come, you know, rushing you at, when you walk off the stage. Um, but you know, I've just never considered that as an, uh, as you know, that's out of character for me. Well, I think we have finally determined that speaking engagements are useless and we don't have to do them. That's the that's the result of this episode. The bigger they are, the more worthless they are. No, I think that they're good for certain people, but uh, certainly your your little balancing of how much time it takes you and stress it causes you versus the potential upside is probably the right thing to consider there. Because people, I mean, the guy I, we just brought on, Tom, he was very, very good at that and very comfortable in front of it. And he just taught like a two and a half hour class last week to an engineering school. That's so long. <laughs> like, um, but if you're good at it, I mean, then that's your spot. Do it. 
I speak at um, my alma mater um, once a year, usually it's a, a senior marketing class and for about an hour and like I really enjoy that. And I think I do a pretty good job. Uh, the Q&A part, I always feel way better uh, about than the part I actually like prepare for because that's how that goes. Um, but that's not like a, a, a legion thing, but it's fun. And so like I take that as like, oh, I could do this, you know, like I could push myself in this direction. But um, what what about, I mean, just rapid fire, what are some things, some self-promotion things you do that you feel good about or that work well? Oh, um, following up with people. Hey, how are you? I was just thinking of you. You know, how'd this thing go? That usually generates a lot of work. Um, LinkedIn, God help me, uh, it really generates a decent amount of uh, interaction. Uh, people seem to remember, or they'll, I get a bunch of text messages from people when I see, then they see something on LinkedIn, which seems to mean that it's working. Um, so those things, and then attending events. I'm on the board of trustees for the Denver Bar Association, the board of governors for the Colorado Bar Association, and Barrister's Ball um, Committee co-chair for the last several years, which is kind of a forward-facing thing, and our event is on Friday. So I'll be all decked out at a fundraiser on the stage for a while on Friday. Um, so those are things I do, and they seem to be working. <laughs> but um, I'd like to extend – I think I'd like to make a transition to building up the things that don't need me to be physically present more because a lot of – my, you know, my best impact is, is interactive stuff, coffees, lunches, networking events, meeting people, exchanging cards. And I don't want to be like pounding pavement, you know, um, all the time, unless I have to be, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, ideally you come up with something that doesn't require your physical, <laughs> physical presence so that you could scale it, you know, so that you could do more of that, that, um, doesn't require more of your time. Yeah. That's my, hmm. my thought. Well, he, yep. good talking to you. Yep. You as well. Later, bro. <laughs> See ya. You can find show notes from this episode at unfederated.studio. And if this podcast has helped you in your journey, say thanks by rating and reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts. 